Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, children, and welcome to episode. It's not episode eighteen. Episode nineteen or twenty. Welcome to the episode of arbitrary number on the on my dime on your time podcast. Happy New Year, everybody! Um, super excited for the new year. Uh, I made an Instagram post talking some garbage about it, so I'm not gonna bore you guys with that. Um, I might make a solo episode just talking about like some New Year's plans, like something about goal setting, maybe. Yeah. Anyways, this episode is featuring Dylan and Jonathan of the brand Samuel Zalig. It's a brand I've been looking into recently. They've been shown by some of my favorite YouTubers like Ray Mia and Kyron. Ray actually has an interview with Dylan and Jonathan as well that I highly recommend listening to either before or after you watch this. Um, yeah, great conversation. It's the first time I've spoken to like two people at once. So it was an interesting dynamic there. I think, I think, yeah, I think it was a good conversation as well. I learned a lot about like the design process and stuff. I'm going to, I think, I think for the upcoming year, I'm going to have a lot more designers as well, because from the two that I've spoken to, I spoke to, I spoke to Michael of dream world and I've spoken to Dylan and Jonathan. They have a very different way that they approach design and like the way that they're inspired by different like people in the industry and different like other works of art so I think exploring that further is going to be something that I'm going to be doing a lot more for the upcoming year anyways enjoy the conversation if you guys want to see more episodes like this drop the episodes to download on Spotify and give me a review on Apple Podcasts. it helps me out a ton and yeah, I'm going to stop talking shit. Enjoy the episode. All right, so how did you both get interested in fashion? Um, Dylan, you want to go Yeah, so both my parents uh, were in the fashion industry. I grew up kind of like from the age since I was born, my mom would take me to contractors, dye houses, like completely immersed in it. And I looked at that and I was just like, I do not want to do what my parents do at all, like classic kid, you know? Um, and then growing up, I went to college at San Diego State for a couple semesters and then I left, it wasn't for me. I was actually in the business program over there and I wanted to become a chef. So I went to culinary school in Pasadena. And during that time, my dad was starting another clothing company and he asked if I wanted to come um, uh, work for him and just like see how a business gets started and I was like yeah sure why not so I started working for him as well as going to culinary school at the same time and just like was brought back to kind of like my childhood and completely fell in love with the industry and just the process of creating clothes um, and during that time I ended up I used to go to this like rag house in LA and I met this dude uh, Mike Hodis and he's a designer based out of LA. And he kind of, his whole thing was, he made everything here in LA. He used like the old uh, machinery, made everything pretty much in-house, like super hands-on. And I was like, it's really, you know, really cool. He had like a whole 50s kind of mindset of like the golden era of denim, how he approached things. So I'm like, I would, I'd love to learn from him. So I just texted him and I was like, hey, you know, I met you at this rag house. Uh, could I have an internship with you? And I came, did an interview, got the internship, and that's when I met uh, Jonathan, and we just, like, clicked immediately. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I kind of got into the industry, like, 
and just became interested in fashion, like a little like um, also just because like I had, I had family that worked in the clothing industry, but it was women's wear. So it was like, not really what I was wanting to get into. I always had an interest in like the arts and like painting and sketching and always wanted to do something more that route. Um, around middle school though, I guess like how every teenager is, like they just start to become a little more conscious of what it is they're wearing and they just start to like, you know, want to just try like new things out in terms of like, you know, find new clothes and stuff. And it was around that time I started discovering a lot of like European brands that were like opening up brick and mortar stores in the US. And like, it started to create a shift where I felt like as I was like, you know, moving on to applying for colleges, I also saw just more of a stable career in something of like the design realm as opposed to the realm of fine arts where like a lot of my teachers and mentors who I thought were incredibly talented, like especially doing like paintings, like had a lot of like a lot of a struggle, like a constant struggle to find kind of consistent work to consistently get their work shown, get more exposure. And I just really felt like I wasn't fit and cut out for something like that. And I ended up applying to Otis College of Art and Design, studied fashion design there, and then um, ended up uh, after a couple months, um, went to this like shop that I always check out over on La Brea called General Quarters. And there was a guy there and he was like wearing this pair of like cargo pants and I thought they were like pretty sick. And I was like, do you guys carry these? And he was like, we actually used to. Um, it's this brand um, and the designer is like Mike Hotis and they have like a shop over in Eagle Rock. So I like stopped in, um, ended up getting an internship there. And then a couple months later, Dylan came along. And so that's where we, met and that's kind of where our our paths uh meet so yeah awesome so you, you you both obviously have a very like deep like appreciation for fashion so how did that appreciation and that interest like kind of come together and to the point of starting a brand of your own um while we were working at mike's since jonathan had the fashion background he went to school for four years um like Mike just had us pretty much do everything from like um, Jonathan showed me how to like pattern and cut and sew and do all this stuff. So we just started creating together. And during that time, I would say we just uh, like connected on such a, a deep level and we're like love the same kind of clothing. And we just became so inspired wanting to do our own thing like wanting to create something that we felt wasn't out there. Uh, and that's pretty much like, yeah, it was just something inside that really just drove it. Yeah. Like we also just saw like, um, because initially like when we started working for that company, like it was only uh, like our boss who's the designer and then their uh, sample sewer pattern maker. So it was just two people before we came on and, a lot of what we were doing was like, you know, working with contractors, working with dye houses, um, working just with like even seeing the steps of the process of size grading to prepare everything for production. And like um, even just running whatever kind of, of a 
semi put together website he had going and shipping orders like we just kind of covered everything and we realized like a lot of the steps of running this business like Dylan and I were taking on and we just kind of felt like we could do this and this isn't as hard as you know like school like my school would make it out to be and it's it's not as hard as you build it up in your head like so we just kind of thought like like let's just go for it let's just dive in like we have our ideas and we have you know a pretty rough plan of how we'd go about it and let's just kind of learn from there so yeah awesome what like like dylan you were saying that like workwear and americana like was very inspirational to the both of you like what is it about that like that like realm of style that inspires you both so much um so like with that it's kind of like the functionality the like practicality of it it's like those those pieces like have lasted generations. Like it's on a huge rise when it comes to like people sourcing vintage, like everyone can like get like an amazing like French chore jacket or Carhartt jacket and like whatever their style is, it just kind of works like with whatever they're wearing. And like, you can have more of like a streetwear style. You can be like the guy who wears like you know, sneakers and has an extensive collection like that. Or you could be like the guy who has like huge thing for like leather boots and all that. And like, it works with like both of those. And we just felt like, like classic, like Americana workwear just really like, just has this timeless and like transcendent aspect to it where you could just like incorporate it into a little bit of everything. And it's like, it's lasted this long. So you know, new introductions and interpretations of it will continue to last as well. Yeah, and I have to say there's a real romance for us, like with these vintage pieces, it's just the fact that somebody wore this 60, 70, 80 years ago, and they had their own story. And there's little rips in the jacket that somebody hand mended. And it's like now passed down through generations and it's just lying in like a vintage shop or a rag house. And I just think that's like so cool and beautiful that like work where the construction of it, it's able to last that long because of the way it's sewn and the fabrics, it's just very durable. So with that, it's like with our clothing, we're, we're not trying to recreate these pieces. We're very inspired and we want to bring our approach or like a contemporary approach and create something new, you know? So, using new fabrics, new hardware, um, new design. So yeah. Beautiful, man. You guys are doing something special. I absolutely. Um, bit of a bit of a silly question, but where did the name of the brand come from? I'm just curious. So my middle name, Samuel, his middle name is Alec, And okay. on both of our mom's side, that's both of our great grandpa's name, great grandparents name. Um, and we like the idea of, cause we don't need to be like the front, of the brand we like to so samuel zalig's almost like a alter ego one designer yeah you know? and it i thought we thought it sounded cool yeah <laughs> absolutely it does yeah <laughs> just um, kind of went from that. there yeah. yeah we were like it looked good on a tag and uh it looked good in dylan's handwriting and we were like let's make a label out of it <laughs> perfect perfect and we can get the trademark easily. yeah really easy <laughs> to get the trademark absolutely um how do you guys feel about like the current like 
well, at least on Instagram, like workwear and like that sort of Americana style that you guys like do with your brand, it's becoming extremely popular. And there are a lot of sellers taking advantage of it and like selling some things that like what I think to be exorbitant prices. Like I've seen like 90s Levi's and stuff going for like hundreds of dollars when you can go down to like a vintage store, like, a, like, like from a curated like selection, but like you can go down to like your vintage store and pick them up for like 20 bucks, for example. So what, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, it's like definitely become a, like, I think it's like kind of been a thing just because of all of the, the hype of something like that, where it's like all these vintage dealers know, like the more, you know, just the more that it's becoming a trend, they're just really like diving into that and just getting the jump start on sourcing all of that stuff. So it's become a lot harder now, obviously, to just find those things that the more affordable, decent prices where it's like actually like a come up. Like, I, I mean, like, you know, we like we would go to like the Rose Bowl a lot and a lot of like the best like vintage you're really gonna have to like go to a dealer that just has a ton of stuff like it's not well curated like and from that you'll find like exactly what it is you're looking for but you're just gonna have to spend a bit more time on it i think it's just it just comes with the fact that people want things a little more instant um if it's online like people want to find it immediately and so they're probably gonna end up getting charged like the premiums for it but if you spend a little more time, you'll find, you know, your, your classic like thrift come up, you know, it's like, I found like a really great, like, um, eighties, nineties Carhartt, like Detroit jacket, the Rose Bowl for like 20 bucks. And it like had like amazing fades, amazing wear, but still like great, great condition. And I throw it on all the time over like anything and it's great. Like, but then the same per like, some other person might find that and be like, all right, I could charge like, you know, hundred bucks for this thing. The condition's great. I'll repair it a bit. And, you know, some kid will just buy that because they think that's like the only place they're going to find something like that. It's just like, I think it's just like, uh, if they feel the need for like just getting it instantly. So a lot of those people can profit off that. Mm -hmm. Do you think the, like the current, like, with Instagram and stuff, do you think it's becoming a bit oversaturated, like work, like workwear, like the aesthetic and stuff? Because uh, like the way I see, like a lot of people are kind of dressing the same. Like there's like there's been like like at least recently there's been like a uniform, like mm -hmm. that works just for Instagram maybe, and it is like in that workwear realm. Do you think it is becoming a bit oversaturated? Um, hmm. no, not not too much. I just think every um, every like ten years there's like the new thing, you know. So like. I think this will pass, but I think workwear is one of those things that uh, is kind of just timeless if it's done right. You know, I have seen, you know, there's the classic like uniform silhouette, but I don't know. I, I think workwear in like high end design, it's kind of like a lot of time, especially in menswear, you can get some things that are just kind of not that wearable or it's kind of hard to wear it in like an everyday outfit. I think workwear offers that kind of everyday wear and people that like quality, um, they can really buy into that, you know? So, yeah. I mean, there will always be like with, you know, big trends, there will always be like people that like cause a bit of an oversaturation of it because, you know, in a couple of years, they'll move on to the next thing. But I think the people who really 
care about like the quality and construction of something like that, like will, you know, hold that as a piece of value and continue to pass something like that on. Like we're definitely like the two of us, the way we like view, um, you know, like workwear or just any other kind of like vintage um, and just pieces that just are incredibly like inspirational to us. Like we see something like that lasting a lot longer than, you know, oversaturated Instagram trends. Absolutely. I like the way you said that, Dylan, because I was doing some thinking about like my current aesthetic and stuff. And it is like very like separate things. Like I do love the work where I love like avant-garde as well. But like, I like the way you said it, where you said like, some of that, some of the other stuff in like high fashion isn't wearable and workwear is just very easy to wear. And I think that is the reason why I like it so much. I don't know. I was just doing some thinking about, it. I didn't know why, what appealed to me so much, but that, that sums it up really well. Um, a bit of like a rhetorical question. You guys kind of answered it with like the way you like speak about like your brand and stuff and how passionate you are, but was there ever the motivation to make like a cash grab collection? Like just make like t-shirts or like even face masks with like the current climate during like, especially like during the pandemic when like money's harder to obtain. Yeah, we were actually like just reviewing like that question a bit before, you know, we got on this call. Um, and we were initially just thinking of like, like masks when there was just a lot of the slowdown, the initial part of the, like the start of the pandemic hit. And like, we were just both working remotely trying to take care of as much as possible. And we were like, oh, should we make masks? Like, um, but after that, like, it was just kind of, it became a little difficult for us to get some momentum with that, with production and everything. So we really just from, because we started the brand before the pandemic happened and we had like a very set plan of like what we wanted to achieve, like, and what we wanted to design, we like really just stuck with it. Um, and we just were like, regardless of what's going on right now, in whatever due time like we feel like whatever we're doing is gonna eventually work it's just like we need things to to pick up a little bit more um but yeah like we we kind of always start to finish like stay true to that yeah, yeah I, I didn't mean to like insult you guys with that question or anything i didn't know you, you oh no 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 insult at all yeah no it's it's definitely a thing to think about though like because i mean when we're you know obviously we wanted to make the best quality uh, in our first collection and going forward. And when you're doing that, things are gonna be expensive. And sometimes people don't understand why things are so expensive. Like there's minimums that you have to hit with a contractor. And if you don't hit that, you have to pay more. Fabric costs a lot. Making something in LA is like the most expensive where you can make something. So like when you look at the cost sheet, everything makes sense, you know? But to average person might see something and be like, why are these pants? Four hundred dollars, or you know, but we were like, you know what? That's what we want to do. We it's it's rare that you see something like that. It's it's uh, definitely it's hard to do it that way. It's hard to to get the sell, but we wanted to stay true to like who who we are, and that's yeah. what we wanted to wear. We wanted to wear something with a lot of integrity and quality, and just know that this fabric is the best corduroy that you can get your hands on for what we're trying to do, and this. Hardware is the best and the construction, you know, we went with everything clean finish. So the people that are following us now really understand that, but sometimes people don't, don't get it. Yeah. Like you get questions along the way, you know, people are like, Oh, why is it this much? And 
it's kind of like it's it's hard especially a time like this like to get people to like see something in person like there's not much you can see like behind a screen so i guess that is also a bit of a difficult challenge during a time like this because as soon as people see it in person they get it like way more but absolutely yeah. absolutely um when you guys were starting the brand like before the first collection came out were there any like unexpected sort of issues or like like bumps in the road for lack of better words that happened and then how did you overcome those yeah so i mean both of our families are in the fashion industry for 30 plus years and they you know they could try as best as they can to prepare us but everyone has their own journey and it's like we <laughs> we were not prepared in that sense of like when you're new you don't know it's like you you're fresh and you just you're excited and so people look at that and they're like, okay, I could probably fuck this person over. I could charge them more for this. And you don't know. It's like, it's like, oh, you know, we thought we got this great deal. And then we go talk to somebody like my dad or his dad. And they're like, oh, you got fucked over. Pretty yeah. Good. <laughs> it's like, but, oh, they, they fully took it. But <laughs> I mean, even not even in the just starting a business sense, it's like you have to create a website. You, you need to get lawyers and you do all these things. And even with our website, it's like that was something where our first person that was designing our website it became faulty and we had to create a whole new website which is a whole nother chunk of change wow. um lawyers it's like there's you know, so many steps with lawyers like, it's like trademark. writing an email costs like 500 dollars from them and you're just like like them responding and you're like how, how is this all adding up so it's with like, all that being said yeah it's uh, and then even road bumps is like, we talked about, you know, for months, it's like, this is what we want to make. These are the fabrics we want to use. Finding contractors is like, nothing's advertised here in LA. Finding a good uh, fabric salesman, nothing's advertised. So, and then when you do find it, it's like, you find the perfect fabric after months of searching. And then it's like, oh, there's a 5,000 yard minimum. And you're like, yes. you know, and you only need 500 yards. And, and then it's like $20 a yard. You can't even afford it. It's like, okay, well, Let's work backwards. Let's try and find something and then production issues. So having this business is like learning how to get fucked and like <laughs> just, uh, just working through everything. It's problem solving is like really what it is. Yeah. It's, it's just like in general, I, this industry and plenty of others, I bet like, you know, in any creative fields and otherwise it's like, there's just so many different ways that things can go wrong. And it's just, like you just have to like move, you know, move fast and try to, you know, become as comfortable with, you know, a, you know, a form of like just settling for what it is, like, you know, understanding what the reality is and then just kind of grounding yourself and then just going from there. It's, you know, you just have to like adapt to constant change and things not really ever going the way you fully pictured it. Like, production every single piece like we thought some things would be like foolproof the way it would be from like start to finish and even after you get your like perfect sample it's like it's not there's any problem you could possibly imagine um it's like oh this dye is like slightly off um the way they place these buttons is off like you have to order more buttons like um it's like we put all of this care tag on this garment and it's not <laughs> even supposed to be there and it's like and you think like you know it's like they'd go they'd read the care tag and think like oh that doesn't really make sense for that but it's like they don't so 
you have to kind of like, you know, you have to delay things a little bit, but you know, you learn to just kind of go with the flow of it and realize that like things will happen when they need to and when they eventually will. So. With all creative endeavors, right? Like there is like that fear of like, kind of just like failing and like letting yourself down and letting like the people who've been counting on you, letting them down. What did you guys experience any of that? And how did you sort of overcome that and realize that it is indeed worth it to like start the brand and get it rolling? And then how did you sort of, yeah, how did you get over that sort of issue if you've been experienced it? I feel like on like a weekly basis, pretty much from the start um, of like us creating Samuel's A League, like we felt those, you know those moments, um, I think like what was like the major um, like thing was like that really got us past that though, was just like us talking it out and just, you know, pretty much like reinforcing each other's beliefs that like, this is gonna happen. Like this, you know, it just like, we just need to take, like we need to be more patient and we need to like, just continue to do what we're doing and just like this works like just telling each other that basically and you know with like the right exposure and you know just the right moment like things will work themselves out and we just continue to focus on kind of the creative aspects and the establishment of our business and you know just reinforcing to each other yeah this is this is what we believe in and this definitely will happen even though every week there was kind of a form of a discouraging feeling or thing that would happen where we'd be like like is this right like should we be doing this like is it even worth doing this um so yeah yeah definitely i think we've grown some like very tough skin because during this time it's just like with covid too it's very everything's up in the air you know play, uh, retail stores are closing down uh people are spending less so there's definitely this this fear for sure it's just learning how to process everything and just stay in the moment you know like jonathan said like jonathan said and and just stay true to us and just it's really just a, a belief system at the end of the day just you know like that we're good yeah we just have to like literally hype each other up all the yeah. time and just be like like th this is this is gonna work out and like we didn't have doubts about this from the beginning so we got to just ride it out like things can be discouraging but you just like got to continue yeah absolutely i think i feel like a lot of people can learn from that as well like that's 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 stuff that's valuable definitely with all that being said do you have like maybe both of you can give like three pieces of advice each on a, like if a person wants to start a brand or like in fashion or otherwise give me like three pieces of like advice or three pieces of value for them yeah i think um being just starting this all i think being like original is the most important over anything else like whether it's good or bad i think originality gets seen and you'll get some sort of following of people that like that and if people hate it that's fine but all you're looking for like the yeses you know not the nos and then i think having a, a story and then focusing on the craftsmanship of it just trying to do it to the best of its ability and uh, yeah 
I think those those are my three. Awesome. Um, I feel like definitely when it comes to like starting off a brand, like like less is more. It's definitely like in the sense of like if you you know if like within your budget like you can only afford to do like one or two of like the most like insane killer pieces that like will really make it so like without a doubt like people have to like really love need you know whatever it is you're making like go for that as opposed to maybe making like you know four or six pieces that maybe is like a more complete collection per se but you know has a lot of cut corners and you know doesn't really you know showcase like your best abilities i think that's such a it's like it's a hard thing with like starting off having the resources but definitely when you're if you're doing one or two things you can make it count more um i feel like another thing would just be like just to you know understand that things are going to take time that there's you know in terms of like getting the right attention finding your customer base getting sales like it it's not going to happen with like especially now because instagram is so important as well with like new upcoming brands you know whether it's like we love it or hate it we have moments of both um you know it, it definitely will take time and a couple hundred followers isn't your customer base like it, you need, you know, you need more, you need it to be seen by more people. So definitely just more patience. And then you'll start to see like these people who like, maybe like, you know, were like looking at your brand when you first started. And like, we even saw like a customer who had like an abandoned checkout, like from the first launch of our website, like, bought one of our pieces like a couple months later it's like just patience like these things happen and it's it's really exciting when they do um but yeah it just takes time and then let's see third piece of advice um yeah just um just definitely like to have an open mind uh to the creative process and just know that things aren't going to go exactly as planned but you know just to have some some like backups in mind of you know just like if this fabric's not going to work or i can't get you know six thousand of these buttons because like i don't need that many like just always have like a backup ready in mind um it's just always very you know helpful when you're kind of like just trying to make things happen as quickly as possible so yeah okay interesting can you guys give like a brief description of like or an explanation rather of like your process behind creating a piece so let's say when like one of the pants that you guys made like when it was like an idea to like maybe a sketch on paper to like the sampling process to like having the finished pieces yeah so an idea normally starts with jonathan coming to me or me coming to jonathan and it's like either like that shit or like that's really good it's like never really between yeah. and when it's good we both agree on it and it's cool and and then you know if we have we might have a few references of like we like um the block of this or like the kind of fit in the leg of this the leg opening whatever it might be um or we just start off with just a sketch um so we sketch it out move into uh creating a pattern for the piece and then within the sketch writing down exactly 
what the construction is going to be, what fabrics we're looking for, what kind of dye we want on it, uh, the hardware, pretty much everything that would encompass and be on that piece. Um, from there, the pattern, it will get sewn in like a muslin fabric. We like to use like a cheaper herringbone just to kind of, we use everything within a similar weight because everything is within like 10 to 12 ounces of, yeah. of what we use. Um, and then with that, we'll start testing uh, dye samples on our final fabric after we've sourced that as well as our, get our hardware, get our buttons, snaps, zippers, pretty much everything. Find a contractor, make sure that they can do it within the time that we're ready because every contractor kind of has like a time slot of like, you know, you might miss your time slot and like, they're like, well, you gotta wait a month because I'm working on, on this thing, you know? So make sure we're locked in there. And then there's like, could be like anywhere from three to 10 samples that get sewn. And then finally, final garment gets sewn. Shrinkage is added, which is pretty much the final fabric is washed and you find the percentage of how much it shrinks. So when the garment get dies, it gets dyed, it shrinks down to the correct size that you need. So it's all, it's a whole process. And that whole process is like, then you move into production and then the problem with production is getting it to look like the sample and making sure everything's right. And normally it doesn't, but you know, that's where it really, <laughs> we found that it's like, that's the to, hardest part. You have to micromanage a lot of that stuff, like frequent check-ins on wherever, you know, like you're producing with, like we're lucky that we're producing in LA. Um, so we can like make drives to like the factory and just make sure things are going correctly. And luckily spot things if they were like about to be completely wrong works out. So, but I, it's, it's difficult. Like, I don't know how these larger companies, you know, I mean, it makes sense that they could do it with these huge teams. And like, there's just a lot of, you know, that longstanding relationship there with these factories they work with, but damn, it, it would be a hard thing at the stage we're at to try and produce anywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Do you guys have any habits that you guys like employ like on a day-to-day -day basis or even like a weekly basis to like ensure like like good productivity and like good quality work? Um, in terms of like, I feel like there the way like just the fashion industry is and the way like our company just kind of operates is like we're we always are busy with something and we always have something to do. Um, there were definitely times where there was that slowdown where we were slowly like discovering more about, you know, like how, how COVID spreads and like, you know, we were trying to be way more safe rather than sorry. And so like, you know, we were working remotely, but there was just during that time, there was just like, we were doing a lot of research um, and just a lot of, um, just a lot of review over every single piece we were making just to make sure that by the time we were ready to start up again, like we could just hit the ground running. Um, and also like just now that, you know, things have started to slow down while there is some reopening with factories and stuff, like we're using some of that time to our advantage and using that to do, um, things like hand stitching and repairs and like um, more like labor intensive things that you can't exactly like just like pay like a factory to do it, 
things that can only really be done by Dylan and I, like, um, we've just really taken that time, used it to our advantage to like continue just making something that we believe is just like very original and just like a lot of places can't really afford to do. So we're just trying to do that. Yeah. And then in terms of like everyday habits as well, aside from, um, even like work is, I would say, um, limiting distraction. So like trying to, you know, get away from technology for a bit, go for long walks, eat healthy. Um, I just think when you're clear, get out in nature, so many ideas can come to mind and then just finding whatever it is that inspires you, whether it be like a movie, um, music, reading, um, doing some sort of craft cooking. I think those things all work hand in hand when it comes to creating anything. I think like even when I'm driving, listening to music, I'll have an idea, text Jonathan, or, or even if I'm yeah. like in the shower going for a long walk, see the color of even like the way like a flower looks, you know, like I, that's a blue that we want on the thing. And so I think you can find all that kind of stuff, inspiration in everyday life. It's just amount of limiting distraction because I really think uh, so much of our time now is spent like digitally instead of just out in nature. Yeah, like disconnect. That's yeah, definitely the yeah. thing. Like disconnect is good just to be able to like after like a long day, just be able to just tune out and just like kind of take your mind off of kind of everything else that you are taking care of or working on or doing. It just, just helps like in a huge way not to like let everything just like overcrowd your head. Yeah. It's like so important. Like at the end of a long day of, of work, what do you guys do kind of to unwind then? I'm just, just curious. I, I live, I'm fortunate enough. I live in like a really hilly part of Los Angeles. So I like to go just for like really long walks in my neighborhood. Um, I like to like listen to like records and just uh, hang out with my roommates, cook good food. Very, just try and keep it super, super simple. Like nothing that's too uh, stimulating. Okay. I like to nap a lot. <laughs> yeah, this dude sleeps. <laughs> yeah. I'll like call him on the weekend and it's like, 3 p.m. and he's like yeah. still asleep I'm like that's crazy yeah I like to nap a lot I really like um like brewing tea that's that's fun and uh yeah listening to music just on drives it's like just things like that it's just like so like they just it's such mindless things like I just enjoy that because when I'm like in work mode it's just trying not to miss a single beat with whatever it is we're working on. So I just like doing the complete opposite. <laughs> awesome. Dylan, you were like, you were saying about like how you were, if you went on a walk and you saw like a flower and then like the color of the petals like inspires you or something. And it kind of reminded me of something that I read recently where I don't remember which book this is from, but the author was essentially saying that, wait, it's like the author was kind of like arguing against like the, the common knowledge of like inspiration where it just kind of hits you like a ton of bricks kind of thing and you're just like okay cool light bulb moment i'm gonna do this so basically what the author said was inspiration only comes if you put yourself 
in a situation where you can be inspired. And I think that the example that the author gave was like, let's say you're like an artist, right? Inspiration's only gonna come if you sit like with a blank piece of canvas and a paintbrush, right? I just, I don't know, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on like what the author said, like with that like vein of thought on inspiration. Yeah, I think, I really think it's like different for everyone because somebody might have a blank canvas or go on a walk or something, they might not be inspired at all, but even when they're in like a moment of extreme chaos, they might find something that they can create with. So I really think it's like whatever that person gets inspired by or whatever speaks to them, like do it uh, unabashedly and just like do it a hundred percent. Cause like what works for anyone won't work for any, like we're all different, you know? So just like how Jonathan can nap for like 48 hours. <laughs> I've never been able to nap and you know, he'll wake up from a nap, call me and be like, dude, I had the best idea. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. yeah so, it's just, you know, just teach, teach their own. It happens like in just random ways. I guess people's minds are like racing more at different times and through different moments. But yeah, I really think it's being open. Somebody told me once like an artist walks down the street and sees a billboard and sees like crazy texture and he brings that home and, and paints and does whatever. And a businessman walks down the street and sees nothing. So I think it's just being open um, and just like literally you could look at anything and see a color and be like, I didn't even know those two colors work together and I'm going to see how I can blend that and work it in whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Awesome. What are some upcoming projects that you guys are like working on currently or like maybe what can we expect in like the coming quarter? Uh, so we have like um, a good amount of vintage um, fabrics, garments, um, and pieces that we've sourced, uh, like military bags, mail bags, um, uh, chore jackets, grain sacks, like just all of these things we've found from kind of like different types of vintage dealers through like eBay, through like estate sales. And we've pretty much accumulated a lot of those and we've kind of just literally ripped up the seams of all of them and have experimented with them in a way where we're just trying to turn them into something like completely unrecognizable to what the initial product was. Um, and we've created like fabric yardage out of those things. Um, and we're planning on releasing specialty, like one of one, one of eight pieces, um, just to, you know, showcase like more, more of a range and, the newer direction that our, our brand is going in just to really show like, you know, we're, um, we have like, um, we have a general direction, but we're not looking to really like, um, just put ourselves in one box and then just stay there. So. Yeah. We're also with, you know, with big production, there's only so much you can do without it being so costly and some contractors won't even do certain things. Um, so we were doing smaller runs, um, and me and Jonathan have been doing a lot of hand mending, uh, like all over a piece just to create this sense of like one of one, nothing like it. I think that's what me and Jonathan have been really attracted to recently. Um, so we're focused on that and with the vintage stuff, um, we wanted to just, yeah, do something that like 
It's completely different. We've been experimenting with embroidery, um, starting to experiment with um, natural dyeing, um, hand mending, and even uh, hand painting on certain stuff. Beautiful. I'll be, I'm excited to see it, man. It's gonna, it's gonna be you. interesting, definitely. Um, I, this is just something that's been interesting to me, but are there any like smaller brands or even like, like bigger brands that, like, in, that you guys look to sometimes for inspiration? Yeah, I would say Evan Canori is one of our favorites. Um, Lady White, Visvim, Bodhi. Uh, yeah, pretty much like those. Yeah, like it's uh, it's funny. Like there's there's some I guess that uh, like like Fear of God or like Rick Owens that I guess doesn't directly um, doesn't directly reflect on anything in terms of our designs really. But there's a lot in terms of. Uh, the quality of the way they run their business, um, the execution of their pieces that it's like, uh, like we both really appreciate. Um, so yeah, it's just like one of those things, like it, it could even have like a look that's not necessarily like within what our genre may be, but just like the way they do things. Um, it's just like really smart to us. Awesome. All right, uh, last question. Do you guys have any book recommendations for me? Yeah, there's one book I'm reading now. I'm not, I'm like 40, 50 pages in, but it's called How to Stay Human in a Fucked Up World. And uh, it's about mindfulness. It's, I think it's a great book. So that's a good one. And, and then um, The Road Less Traveled is another good one. Road Traveled. Beautiful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out the How to Stay Human in a Fucked Up World. It sounds really interesting. All right. Uh, I appreciate you guys a lot for coming on. I know it's like super crazy right now, with, like the current climate. So yeah, just like, thank you guys for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, for, thanks for having us. Absolutely. This was awesome. Absolutely. Uh, where can the people find you? Um, we are at Samuel Zalig on Instagram and then our website is just samuelzalig.com. And then uh, we have just recently had our stuff in uh, American Rag on La Brea. So we have select pieces there. We have our type two jacket, corduroy double knee, black selvage, blue, can blue canvas pant, and then uh, a few quilt jackets there. Beautiful. Awesome. I'll leave all of those linked in the description. Perfect. All right. Awesome.